What's going on, world? This is J House Radio, episode two. Your boy KJ back in the building with your boy Lowe's brother from another mother. How's it going, man? It's going good, dude. Uh, can't complain, really. So how how was your weekend so far? Busy, just busy, just with a lot of with a lot of nonsense, really. Well, I can't say a lot of nonsense. It was just, you know, uh, just busy. Yeah, I've been pretty much busy with, you know, just, you know, promoting the show and things like that and, you know, just picking up some news topics and just pretty much just working on that mainly right now, working on like, you know, like the social media aspect of things. So that's pretty much what I've been doing. Uh, For me, it's more crap in the house and uh, trying to get any DJ gigs because they are drying up badly. Oh, really? Yeah, it's the time of the year. You know, like, if I didn't have a Halloween party booked in September, I'm not going to get anything in October. So then November's kind of a weird time of the year. Then comes December, so you're hoping for office parties. Um, and then January, there's nothing. February, maybe you might get one or two, and things start up again in March. Oh, uh, yeah, true. Because everybody wants to stay in the house. Nobody really wants to go out that much, like, when it starts getting cold, so. No, no, it's not even that. There's just no holidays. Think about it. What do you really celebrate in January? Yeah, true. I mean, not unless you're trying to do like a, you know, like New Year's party or something like that. But that's pretty much about it. Yeah, but New Year's is usually booked like a year in advance, six months in advance. Oh, yeah, true. You know, other than that, in January, all you have is like Martin Luther King. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, true, true. You know, and the only thing anybody does with that is go out shopping. <laughs> that's messed up, man. Think about it. Yeah, I know. All right, so we're going to start off with our news segment today. We got a few things I want to bring up. Uh, first thing, for some of my gamers out there who are into Fortnite, PlayStation has finally decided to do cross-play with Fortnite right now, which means PlayStation, um, Xbox, PC, and Switch Switch owners can pretty much all play together. Um, I think that's a pretty, pretty much a, a pretty big deal, considering the fact that Sony was the only platform that really didn't do cross-play on any platform, not even just uh, Fortnite. And um, I think as far as gaming, I think that's a really big deal for gamers because it's going to open up a, a doorway to have more games kind of cross-play with each other and uh, hopefully have all the consoles play nice with each other. Probably not. but uh, uh, No, yeah. it, it makes good business sense for them all to play well together. Yeah. Because um, what they want people to buy the game. What's going to make you play the game more? What's going to make you buy DLC? What's going to make you buy expansion packs? Yeah is the fact that you can play with a thousand people. A good example is you and me. I'm a big Xbox fan, you know, and you're a big PlayStation fan. And so if there was a while, we couldn't we couldn't play together. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I, I, I think that kind of kills it sometimes because it's, it's already hard enough to buy one console, let alone buying two just so you can play with your friends or, you know, your brother, sister, and things like that, you know, so... I think that will kind of open up the fact of having more people play, like you said, because now I could just have my console, you could have your console, and if we decide to play a certain game together, I won't have to go out and buy that console just to play with you. You know what I mean? So, Exactly. I think that definitely opens up, you know, something big, you know, for the industry. So, Not, o- not only that, it, it opens up the idea of more, um, like, uh, MMORPGs, you know, online. Oh yeah. You know, because now, hey, I could play. I could play for the sake of argument, Warcraft on my on my PlayStation on my Xbox. Yeah. You might want to do that too. Yeah, true, true. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I think it's it's good for everybody. It's good for the consumer. It's good for the business. So, I think it's good that Sony finally got their head out of their ass and you know decided to play along with everybody else. <laughs> I think the problem with Sony is they they feel the pressure from the other companies. Oh yeah. And they're realizing that the days of, you know, splitting your customers is is very much going to be over very soon, especially now that you can kind of stream your game online. Oh, yeah. I mean, streaming is definitely coming up. I mean, you know, we, we talked about that last episode. So it's only a matter of time, man, you know, before it actually starts to take over. It's only a matter of time. Oh, yeah. Well, I definitely know that next, um, maybe if not this episode, maybe next episode, I want to talk about um streaming and distribution and things like that because i think that's a good topic to talk about because there's so much uh 
to talk about because the industry has changed from the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and today where things are just not what it used to be. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Another thing I also wanted to bring up, um, I know we talked about it last, I think we talked about it last episode about Toys R Us going bankrupt. Uh, they just recently, um, I think they put out a post or something on the news last week stating that they're not going to file bankruptcy now. So now they're deciding to try to revive the company, try to revamp it. Um, I'm not sure if we talked about that last episode or not, but uh, we touched we touched about it briefly because Toys R Us is still functioning normally in Canada. But now they're but since they're not going bankrupt now, and they're going to try to bring it back. Like, how do you? In your opinion, how do you think they're going to do that? Like, what do you think is going to make it successful for them to try to come back to compete with Target and Amazon and things like that? How many how many retail stores are left in the U.S.? Uh, I think they're done. I think their last one was in New York. I'm not sure, but I think they're completely done. Because I remember going shopping at Toys R Us just a few months ago, actually. Um and they were pretty much saying that there's only like a handful of stores left in the U.S. So, because I'm on their website now, and I know I knew they were going to keep an online presence. Oh, really? Yeah, I knew they were going to keep an online presence because you know, um, Jeffrey's LLC assets has been acquired uh, by its secured lenders. Oh, so they did sell. I'm going to check that out, actually, too, because I I know I just saw a few, like, a few days ago that they said that they weren't going to sell it, that they were going to just try to do, like, a revival. No, it looks like they sold the company to somebody. Yeah. Unless they sold it, but they're still trying to revive the brand name. Like, they like they sold it just so that way they can try to make money to try to bring it back a lot. I don't know. It's, it's pretty weird. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what they did with uh, Circuit City um, wow. not too long ago. You know, it, it looks like somebody bought Toys R Us, and they're going to try to bring it back. I'm, honestly, I think the best way for Toys R Us to survive nowadays is probably going to be the online market. I think that's going to be the best way for the simple fact that a lot of physical stores for a lot of companies are closing now, and a lot of it is due to the fact that people shop online more than anything. People don't really go to stores anymore, um, especially when it comes to toys and things like that. If they can just order it online, they're pretty much going to do that, especially when it comes to the holiday season, Cyber Monday, you know. So I think if they're going to come back, their best bet is going to be to do an online store, in my opinion. Well, the thing is Amazon changed the way business is done, period. Everything is online now because oh, Amazon yeah. was just kind of like the end all be all. Oh yeah. But they first started out with just books and they went from books to microwaves to God knows what. Oh, you could buy everything from freaking anal lube to <laughs> to like band-aids on Amazon. It's it's freaky. Oh man. Yeah, I, I I pretty much get everything from Amazon at this point. I order my contact solution, I order tools for the house, like I literally just buy everything because nowadays, you know, all of us like people, like we're working, we're busy, we got family, and it's kind of hard to take time out of your day to get up and go run to a store when you got to worry about making dinner. And like, it just makes it so much more easy. You can pull out your phone, order your medicine from Amazon, or order your whatever you need, and then just be done with it. And it's at your house in like two days, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it also changed the way the, the kept the post office alive. Oh, because yeah. the post office is delivering stuff. Oh, yeah. FedEx is like huge. UPS is even bigger um, because of it. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I like Amazon and I hate Amazon all at the same time. <laughs> well, why do you hate Amazon for one? I'm curious. Because sometimes when you try to do a simple search, it it gives you, it shows the weirdest things, you know. Oh yeah. And then uh, and you try to look up the prices to narrow things down. And it's gone from, like, there's some, like, I'm, I mean, I'm exaggerating to make a point, but, like, it says, oh, brand new, it's $800. Used, it's $36. <laughs> and you're like, what? Yeah. That and then once you start going, <laughs> yeah, and then once you go into the used section, it almost feels like you're on eBay, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, I think that's one thing that I don't like about Amazon is their search engine. It, it is kind of weird because 
it's it's easy to find stuff, but yet it's also hard to find stuff. It, it's kind of like a double edged sword, basically. Yeah, you have to be very specific to get things on Amazon. Oh yeah, I I, I started buying stuff on Wish. I on Wish dot com. Yeah, I never used that one before. No, it's pretty good. Like, um, it, it's best if you're looking for knockoff brands. Okay. You know, like, like if you want a GoPro but can't afford a GoPro, so you get a knockoff GoPro. Mm-hmm. Perfect. More gaming news from Wall Street Journal. They just released a statement saying that the Nintendo Switch is going to be releasing a a new Nintendo Switch console by next year. It's, it's more like a soft, uh, like a hardware up, upgrade, basically. Um, they say that they might upgrade the screen, you know, try to get better, you know, like resolution and things like that. Um, I know you don't have a Switch, but I have one, and I'm actually kind of looking forward to that because I pretty much love the Switch. The one thing that I complain about the current model is that after playing for more than, well, like, in my in my case, playing for more than, like, maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes, like, my hands start to get kind of sore because I have big hands. And I wish that the Switch console actually had, like, a better type of, like, grip to it, basically, because um, it just gets really uncomfortable after you're playing for, like, so long, you know. So I hope that that's one thing that they correct with the new Switch model is to have, like, a, a better grip, you know, maybe, like, a better screen. So I'm looking forward to how come? How come you never got the external controller? Um... Oh, like the separate controller that you can buy that you can like connect to it or something. Yeah, it looks like it looks like an Xbox controller. Yeah, I thought about getting that, but I I mainly play my Switch in handheld mode. Um, I I, I rarely dock it. Um, I, I pretty much just like to play like on the go. Um, so I got these little grip things that kind of connect to it a little bit, but it's still not enough grip. So I'm just hoping that that's one thing that they fix. They give it more of a you know kind of like kind of like a controller feel because I feel like you're right. owning a long tablet playing and that after a while it just gets really uncomfortable. So I'm just hoping that that's one thing that they fix with that. So See, see, my girl has it and I started playing Skyrim on it. Oh, really? I thought it was, it was okay, but I played a lot of um, uh, the classic games like the classic Atari games or whatever on there Yeah, and yo, I love it, but I keep getting sick and tired of losing a Gattaca. <laughs> Oh, man, that game destroyed me back in the day, man. I, I couldn't do it. I, I can never beat that game. But you know what? One game I wish I could find, uh, a game called Pengo. It was made by Sega, and it was a little penguin that ran around the board killing these snow bees that went after it. Oh, really? Yeah, it was like one of these nonsense games like Pac-Man, like, you know, like rinse and repeat each level. Oh, um, but I love the game, and I can't find a, a, a good... Uh, a good version of it anywhere. I can't even find a good um, ROM of it. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about some of the old school games. It, like, the older games get, is going to be harder to find them because a lot of these game companies are closing out these, like, emulator websites. A lot of people just usually download games from the um, emulator websites. But since so many are getting closed down, it's harder to play old games and it's harder to even find old games pretty much anywhere, honestly. So... Um, but yeah, like the the Switch to me is one of my favorite consoles. I love the fact that I can play old school games on it, and I can take it pretty much anywhere. You can take it on a flight, you can take it on a train, and you can play old games, you can play new games. So I mean, that's what I love about the Switch so much. But I, I just hope that you know, like I said, they if they do come out with a hard hardware upgrade, that they do it right and just fix you know just fix the hand, like just fix like the handles on it, make it a little more comfortable. Well, I, I just don't think it was designed and marketed for you in mind. I think it's yeah. more designed and marketed for, like, the 11, 12, 13-year-old kid who needs to be entertained 24-7. Yeah. You know? Uh, but I, let me tell you something. I think it's a genius design. Oh, yeah. Genius awesome. design. Freaking awesome. I mean, I, I think to this day, it's, one of my, it's probably one of my favorite consoles. I mean, it's an awesome design. They I mean, they kind of had that idea when they came out with the Wii U. You know, because they had that little, like, like portable controller with a screen on it that you can transfer your game from the console to the little, like, portable thing. Yeah. And the Wii U was what the Switch was supposed to be. And they pretty much, you know, like, perfected that idea. And I, I think it's an awesome console. And, yeah, they probably didn't have a wide variety of, like, players in mind when they made it. 
But I think after they got some feedback and they realized that with them coming out with these old games, you got to remember some people that were alive playing those old games are older now. Like they're not kids anymore. So they're going to want to come back and they're going to want to play those games. So and I think they realized that. So that I think that's why they're coming out with the hardware update. Because they realized that people were uncomfortable with the handles and people want at least a little more power in the screen. So I think it's a perfect idea. I mean, we'll we'll see what they do with it. So I don't know. Like like I said, I, I've played with it very little. Uh, I like the idea. I think it's genius. I just, unfortunately, it's not a lot of games for it. Yeah. Now, um, also in the news, we have uh, actor Chris Evans is officially done with the Avengers. He wrapped up his last shoot for Avengers 4 uh, about two weeks ago. I think he posted on his Twitter account that um, that he that he's officially done, and he pretty much said his goodbyes to the cast and crew. Well, I've heard uh, two different stories about it. Okay. One, yes, he's done, goodbye, blah, 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 blah. The other one is he's done being a main character. So he'll be a background character. Oh. So he's so, like, he's done, but not really done. He's just right, right back a little bit. Um, it all depends what they want to want to negotiate. Like, I still think they should make him the head of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, and get rid of Nick Fury or have Nick Fury, like, you know, do Secret Avengers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in the comic book, have him take care of be the leader of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, the man with all this integrity. Yeah. And if they kill him off in Avengers, then I think they're really stupid because out of all the actors in all the MCU, um, he was the one who really fit the part. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. He was terrible as the Human Torch. But as Captain America, perfect. Oh, yeah, I forgot he played the Human Torch. I completely yeah. forgot about that. <laughs> and he played that Terrible. Yeah, I think that was torched out of everybody's mind. No pun intended. At the same time, too, man, if I was him after freaking 10 years playing Captain America, being a multi-millionaire from it, I might want to be lazy. I mean, yeah, I mean, at, at this point, if he didn't want to be in anything else for the rest of his life, he could retire right now. I mean, he made a lot of money through Marvel. I mean, he could just take some time off for a few years, do a movie here and there, and just relax. You know, I know, I know he wants to do uh, more directing. Oh, really? Yeah, he directed one movie, um, and I've never seen it. Hmm. I'm gonna have to look into that. Yeah, before we go or after we left or something like that. Well, since we're talking about directors, uh, I'm gonna bring up some more news. But since we're talking about directors, we're gonna segue into our main topic just for a little bit to talk about some directors. Um, you got it. So, I, I mean, we both kind of came up with the idea um, of maybe talking about one director who is on top right now doing this thing and talk about maybe one director who kind of fell off. So I don't know which one you would want to take. Um, talk more about a director who okay. fell off or one who's actually on top right now. Did you there? Other than um, oh god, what are their names? The brothers who were doing the who did um, Civil War. Civil War, Captain America. Yeah, aren't they working on the Avengers right now? Right, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're on top of the world right now. Oh yeah, they're they're pretty much like killing it at this. Yeah, but <laughs> but yo, can I talk about something like the Wachowski brothers or now sisters? Wait, what? The Wachowskis. The Wachowskis. They're, they're sisters now? They had a sex change? They, yeah, they, they both had a sex change. Okay. Yeah. You I, didn't know about that? I did not know about that. <laughs> okay, now listen to me. You want to change your gender, whatever, I don't care. None of my fucking business. I don't care who you sleep with. But, um, <laughs> no, seriously. But they did this film called, uh, this uh, miniseries on Netflix called Sense8. Okay. And um, it was pretty good. You know, but what I hated was, um, I hate when any series focuses too much on one certain set of characters Mm -hmm. when it's an ensemble piece. And instead of, you know, spreading everything out, they focus too much on, uh, the transgender and gay characters, you know, like, and I was just kind of like, why, 
what why why are you just focusing on them like yeah. it should be pretty equal across the board you know yeah. it's great that they had the stories in there because you know that is a uh, a group of people who don't get represented very often in films but um i think you do them a disservice when you focus so much on them that you know, it's kind of a highlight you understand what i'm trying to say instead of it being part of the story Mm-hmm. And part of the narrative, it feels like you're dragging this part out. Yeah. And, and I think that's a disservice, whether it's a minority uh, through race or a minority through sexual preference, you know, or identity. I just kind of think it's, you know, it does them a disservice. I agree. I agree. You know, treat them like people. Don't treat them like, oh, look, look at the monkey in the cage, which I just think is wrong. Yeah, just kind of yeah like you said just do, you got you got to do it in a way that makes it feel normal kind of without trying exactly. to push it in exactly. his face like hey this is not normal look at this you know you just make it seem normal and let people take away with it whatever they want to take away with it you know what i mean yeah and it's not that the characters were bad and it's not that the story wasn't interesting it just feels like because they put so much time on the characters, mm-hmm. it felt like their story dragged a little bit. Yeah. You know? Uh, and, and that's why I think a disservice was done to those characters. Mm. You know? Um, and, and that was my problem, that they did a disservice to those characters because it just kind of dragged a bit. You know? Yeah. Back to uh, directors that are on top. You know, I'm sorry. I went from directors that are off. But... Uh, <laughs> That's fine. But yeah, man, those two, those, damn, you know what? I got to look this up. This is killing me if I don't look it up. Oh, I did want to ask you, what is the name of the director from Guardians of the Galaxy? Oh, James Gunn. Yeah. James Gunn. Yes. Yes. Um, now, are you aware of what he said? Um, I think it had something to do with, was it like a homosexual joke or a racial, like he made some kind of joke. Like that's what I heard. Yes, um, it. I remember one of them. I don't remember. Like it was like four, three or four of them. And one of them was the best part about rape is when it's over. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's what I think that was the one that they kind of highlighted as to why they wanted to let him go because of the simple fact that he represents Marvel and they didn't want that image under their company. But I think, like, I mean, come on. First off. Is it's a joke. Rape, um, rape is not funny, obviously, but it was a joke in, in comedy, and you know, a lot of jokes are made that are really offensive, basically. You know, so it wasn't like he came out and said, "Hey, you know, I think raping girls is fun." You know, like, you know what I mean. So I, I think if it was something like that, being that it happened so long ago, I don't think it should have got serious to the point where they fired the guy for it. You know what I mean? Here's my take on it, okay? Now, he said he was an idiot just trying to be edgy back in those days. Yeah. And we all have something stupid that we post, you know? Of course. Um, and I think he forgot about the fact that he posted it. Uh, but to dig through 10 years of tweets, I mean, someone's looking for him. Yeah, I was going to say. Someone's like, gunning for him. I didn't realize that. Yeah, like 10 years. So did they send somebody to look for that? Like... That's like me going through my 10 years of Facebook posts just to find something dirty. Like, who has that much time to go through that many posts within 10 years, considering the fact that most people post over 100 posts probably a month, maybe? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, now think of, come on. Think about this, too. Like, Disney vetted him, right? Mm-hmm. So they went through his background. They went through everything else. They must have gone through, let's say, five years of posts, right? And mm-hmm. in five years of posts, they're like, all right, he's pretty cool. Yeah. But 10 years? Yo, at that point, it'd be like, yo, man, delete that. The, the, the only thing I can think is that something might have happened, like, behind the scenes, whether something was said on set or something triggered something to make somebody look for something. Like, that's the only thing that I can think of. Because other than that... No, I just think it's a sensitivity of the times with the Me Too movement and everything else where something that last year would have just been looked at as something disgusting and he can apologize and kind of get out of it. Yeah. You know, the awareness of sexual harassment and things like that today 
now puts it in a different light. It almost puts it in the spotlight. You know, the Me Too movement is very important. It should, you know, um, highlight the suffering that people have gone through. It should. I mean, we need to have that out there. But uh, I just, again, once again, I just think it's the timing. If it was a year ago, I think he might have been able to apologize and work through it. But today, I just kind of think of, because things are so highlighted, um, it made him come off as insensitive. And he himself says he wasn't sensitive. He was an idiot. He was just trying to be edgy. And we've all trying to be edgy when we were younger or stupid or drunk. Well, I mean, considering, the, like you said, like the times, I mean, we are in kind of a sensitive time right now where a lot of women are coming out complaining about um, how a lot of celebrities, actors, you know, musicians touched them, did things to them years ago. I mean, look what happened to Bill Cosby. You know, he just went away for the next five, I think it was minimum of five years. Um, three to five. Yeah. Or three to seven, excuse me. Yeah, he just went away for something that happened years ago. I mean, times are really changing, man. But not changing enough because this idiot just got fucking, you know, confirmed on, on, the, on the Supreme Court. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to dive too deep in it, but what is your take on, and like, I don't want to get too controversial with it, but what is your take on situations like that where you hear a lot of women coming out on these celebrity men about things that happened 20 years ago, 15 years okay. ago. For celebrities, you know, I, I kind of take it with a grain of salt unless it's um, criminal charges are pressed or there's some evidence or something like that. Yeah. But politically, you know, when you have a, uh, uh, a judge, you know, a federal judge trying to get up to the Supreme Court, yelling and screaming and angry, uh, one is a red flag. Because how can you behave like that? You wouldn't allow anyone to behave like that in your court. Yeah. Two, he wouldn't answer questions. You know, they were like, have you ever been blackout drunk? He was like, well, have you? No, you're a judge. You know how to behave in court. Yeah. That's a red flag. And more than one woman came forward. Yeah, I'm sorry. He should not have been, he should not have been confirmed. But back to the actors, look at Weinstein. Um, it was known. It was known for a very long time that he did that. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Chris, no, uh, McFarlane, um, the family guy. What's his name? Um, let me see. What was his name? Uh, Seth McFarlane. Yeah, him. Uh, during the Emmys when he hosted, like, he flat out said a joke. He goes, he goes, after this award, all these women don't have to pretend to like Weinstein. Because it it was seriously look it up. He it was a known known thing that he did this. Um, is he the first to do it in Hollywood? Absolutely not. Is he the first uh, to get caught um, in today's age with women being more empowered and women being more intelligent? Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, he's. He thinks, oh, yeah, this will go away in a little while. It's not going to go away for a little while. Oh, no. He's, it never goes away. People might not. Oh, no. He'll be back in Hollywood. Yeah. He'll be back in Hollywood. Guaranteed to be back in Hollywood. Give him like five to seven years. He'll be back in Hollywood. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, But he won't have the same clout and he won't get away with the same shit. I, I just think the way society is nowadays, man, it's everything is really. Like, I, I feel like we live in a society where everything is sensitive, you know, as far as like, you know, social media, films, music, you pretty much can't do or say anything without pissing somebody off or making somebody feel some kind of way. And you just have to just, you just got to cross your T's and dot your I's, man. You know, like it's, it's very sensitive nowadays. You can't tweet certain things. You have to be careful what you tweet. You can get fired for a 20 year old tweet. You can get fired if somebody claims that you hit them. You know what I mean? It's it's just it's just so many different things nowadays that it just makes you live your life different compared to how we used to live our life years ago because everything is so sensitive. All right, so let's get back to our directors. I know we went from directors to freedom of speech. Um, so yeah, are you taking the side of directors that are, that's on top right now? Or are you taking the side of a director that? fell off like which topic are you do you want to touch 
Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you this much. Um, first, I want to talk about directors that fell off. Okay, and for me, a number one who fell off is Kevin Smith. Let me tell you something. Kevin Smith used to be uh, like a John Hughes. He understood characters. He understood people. You know, I mean, he pushed him kind of a little bit to the extremes. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you still laughed and you still listened to him. Like you wanted to watch these characters. But then with like yoga hoses and things like that, I'm like, what the fuck are you smoking? Literally. <laughs> you know? Uh, like Zack and Mary made a porno. It was an okay movie. I didn't think it was all that great. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty funny. It was all right. Jersey Girl Jersey Girl wasn't bad, you know. Uh it really wasn't bad, although people like really like talk shit about it, but it really wasn't bad. Yeah, I don't uh, think it was as cop bad as out. say it was. It was Yo, pretty good. Cop out was terrible. I never got to see that one. A lot of his oh my more so God, recent films, I never really got to see. A lot of his old stuff I saw. Yo, uh, listen to me. Tracy Morgan has its has his time and place, you know? But you can't put Tracy Morgan in with Kevin Smith. They just don't mix. You're going to tell me this freaking guy from from like central jersey suburbs is going to understand tracy morgan no yeah that just sounds like a weird mix (laughs) bro let me tell you something i was born in brooklyn raised in jersey like hung out in like jersey city and the worst parts of things and i can't stand tracy morgan he's funny stand-up but there are times like this motherfucker is weird yeah i'm not really a big tracy morgan fan i don't really like a lot of his movies honestly i really don't you know I'm not a Kevin Smith fan when it comes to a stand-up. I like Kevin. Um, what's his name? The little guy. Uh, Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. Yeah. I hate his stand-up. I think he's fucking a terrible stand-up artist. What? Why I do can't you stand not this. Like, come on, man. I love Kevin Hart. Yeah. It's always the same thing. The hand motion. You see. You see. The thing is. No. No. <laughs> In movies, I think he's hysterical. His stand-up. I not for me. Oh, Absolutely yeah. not. Absolutely not. But his movie's funny. I'll watch a movie with him. I'll look forward to watching a movie with him. Oh, yeah, his movies are hilarious. His movies are hilarious. <laughs> um, but, but yeah. Like, I can't stand his stand-up. He fell off. He fell off. He went from being a John Hughes character to understand people, understand characters. Um, You know, got, like, his niche was, like, the the... Well, John Hughes had the teenage years. Kevin Smith had, like, the early 20s. And then he oh, figured yeah. out how to do, like, the loser 30s, you know? And it was great. It was so good. And then he just got strange. But then you put him on TV, and he's a good director again. I don't know. I feel like certain, like, creative people, when they get to a certain time and phase in their life, their creativity changes. You know, it, it, it just changes. You know, maybe maybe that's just how it is. I mean, I even noticed that about myself when it comes to, like, my music and things like that. Like, the way I look at music now and the music that I try to create now, I feel is totally different than what I was doing before. You know? I just think right. that, that just happens when it comes to people who, you know, who actually, you know, like, you know, try to create things. I think their mind just changes over time about how they look at it. So, And some people get full of themselves. Perfect example. Oh, yeah, Quentin, Tar- Quentin Tarantino. Yo, I can't stand the the, the whole shit ton of movies he's made. <laughs> Yo, Reser- Reservoir Dogs, awesome. True Romance, awesome. Pulp Fiction, awesome. Uh, Natural Born Killers, awesome. Four Rooms, awesome. From Dust Till Dawn, awesome. Oh, then sure. Jackie Brown, eh. Kill Bill, I thought was so fucking overrated. I don't understand. Uh, Kill Bill. Okay, now we're getting into to two guys who fell off, but I don't understand Kill Bill. I, I I just don't like. Was that based off of a comic or something like that, or? or no, it's his it's his idea. Uh, there there's this Japanese uh, from the Shaw Brothers. They did this movie called uh, the Five Deadly Venoms or the Four Deadly Venoms, something like that. Yeah. Um. So he took that idea and he turned it into the the characters from Kill Bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also mentioned something like that with that Fox Force 5 when he did in uh, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. 
And I just think it was just like it was pointless. I think, you know, I think what he was trying to do, I felt like I felt a lot of old school kind of flair with some of his films like Kill Bill and things like that. But I just felt like the way he tried to portray it didn't really connect with a lot of people. You know, I just felt like if he would have did it in a different way, it maybe would have came out a little better. But I felt him just trying to get back to that old school style of like filmmaking, almost putting like theater on the big screen in a way. No, no. Let me tell you something. He, he, he's like, oh, all the 70s inspire me, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. That, that, that's wonderful. The 70s inspire you and, and this and the other thing. Hey, listen, I'm no different. Okay. 70s and 80s films inspire everything I do when I write and I shoot, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'd rather have things done in camera than in post. All right, but at the same time, yo, he's full of shit. <laughs> like, like, I'm sorry, like that big, that big uh, katana fight scene in in uh, in Kill Bill. Vol- I think it was Volume Two. Yeah, Volume. Or was two. it one? I forget. Whatever it was, I was just like, oh, please cut this shit, <laughs> you know? Or the scene where he's like, wiggle your big toe. <laughs> like, oh my god. Yeah, and then the whole Why? pussy wagon. Like, like, who the fuck are you trying to impress with the fucking pussy wagon? Wiggle your big toe, you know, like all that. Like, ah, oh, just, just shut the fuck up. You're just so full of yourself. <laughs> I'm sorry. Listen to me, man. Like, uh, and even worse, like, um, uh, the guy who played his, uh her sensei, you know, her kung fu master, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. He's one of the actors who was really huge in the Shaw Brothers films, right? Huge. Like, I've seen so many movies with him. Yeah. And um, and I was like, damn, dude, you're, you're, you're reduced to doing this shit, bro. <laughs> bro, I've watched enough kung fu movies to know this person's got training. This person knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And then I saw Uma Thurman, and I was like, oh, my God, what is she doing? Yeah, it, but then again, I think... Her lack of skill that was shown in the movie was done purposely for effect. Okay, let's go back to Quentin. Let's go back to Quentin, okay? So, Quentin, all right? Reservoir Dogs, awesome. Pulp Fiction, awesome. Kill Bill 1 and 2, full of shit. Sin City, where he directed that one scene, awesome. Uh, in The Grindhouse film, when he did Death Proof, awesome. Inglorious Bastard, overrated. The Django Unchained, fucking stupid. It had great moments, but I thought it was really fucking stupid. I just really thought it just came out as like I'm angry and I'm and I want to be disgusting all at the same time. <laughs> Hateful Eight, I didn't want to watch. Really, I just I've I've literally just given up on Quentin Tarantino. They're like a Quentin Tarantino film. No, thank you. And then when they said, "Oh, he's gonna have a, a Star Trek project," why would he have a Star Trek project? I heard about that. Like I and I heard that this might be his last film. But then again, I'm looking on. Uh... Google right now, and it says that Quentin Tarantino is uh, doing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, that's what he's shooting right now. Really? So he's doing two movies because I, I was under the impression that he was doing one more movie than he was done. That's what I heard. Well, apparently the Star Trek project is you know something else he, he's going to work on, but he's not the right fit. I just he's not the right yeah, fit. He's n- that. Like thinking about Quentin Tarantino and his style and what he's done over the years, and then you're saying, "Okay, he's doing Star Trek." I'm like, "But why?" Like, I, like I, I just can't see his style fitting into that type of universe. I just, I just can't see it. It doesn't fit. He's not mature enough, intelligent enough, or well enough of a filmmaker to know how to do that. I'm sorry, he's not. I'm a huge Star Trek fan. And I like Star Trek for the message that it has, okay? Mm-hmm. Which is, I'll die for you, you'll die for me, but we're going to die being equal partners, people. Whether you have green skin, brown skin, yellow skin, Klingon, Romulan, whatever it is. <laughs> Klingon. <laughs> no, I'm serious, you know? Um, and he's not the person for it. He doesn't understand what it's like to be nice. Yeah, I, I he, just, he doesn't I know how to write. It, it's his style. No. I, I I don't know. I can't even point out what type of franchise would even fit his style. Like that's how different his style is. Oh, he'd be great for Star Wars. He'd be great for Star Wars. What Star Wars? He'd be great for uh, Star Wars. Absolutely. It depends, it depends on where. It, for one, it depends on where he's taking it. 
what character he's trying to follow for the main story, I think that really depends. Like if you're saying, oh, he's gonna take over Star Wars for another Luke, like uh, another Luke Skywalker story, don't see it. But if you're saying he's doing, you know, um, like Jabba the Hut, all right, maybe I can see that. Like, you know, like a Jabba the Hut, he like would be origin story, perfect for Jabba the Hut. Oh yeah, perfect for Jabba. I the can Hutt. see that, like an origin story or something. I can see that, but. I don't know. Star Wars, I mean, uh, Star Trek, when they mentioned that, I, I was just like, well, why is this happening? I feel like he's going to destroy the name. It's going to probably flop, but I'm hoping I'm wrong because, like I said, I used to look up to Quentin Tarantino years ago when I first started watching his films, and I would like to see him come out on top and just surprise everybody and say, hey, listen, I'm doing something different, and if it's, this is going to be my last film, I'm going to go out doing something that's completely different from what you're used to. And if he knocks it out the park, that'll be amazing. It's like I'm hoping he'll be successful doing it. But I, I just, I just don't see it. I don't know how he's going to do this. It's gonna, it's, it's gonna be weird. All right. So speaking of films, since we're on the film topic, did you get a chance to check out the Dark Phoenix trailer? Um, yeah. And here's my take on it. Okay. Why? Uh, you're about to be bought by Disney. Uh, all your stuff is going to go away. Probably never make it out to Blu-ray. Uh, the new Mutants movie, probably not going to happen. Um, why? No offense to them, but why? Are you just trying to rush out the last story because, oh shit, they made this deal when I was in the middle of, they were in the middle of shooting it? Eh. That's my whole take on it. I honestly, when I saw it, well, when I first heard they were doing it, I kind of felt the same way for a second. Because um, I thought, okay, why are we doing another film when this whole merger is about to happen in like, what, a few months? But yeah. then again, they mu- obviously they must have shot it already like a while ago and they just had to put it out. Um, I think that's probably why. I think it's because it was, just, it was already shot. People got to get paid and they're not going to just cancel the movie. So, um, I don't know. I thought it looked good. I mean, me personally, I've always been an X-Men fan. I've been an X-Men fan since I was a kid. I used to play all the video games, read all the comic books. Wolverine is one of my favorite comic book characters. So, it felt it felt good to see another X-Men movie, but I don't know if it'll be good cuz I don't know who's I don't know who's directing it or not. Think about this though. It doesn't follow the comic book story. Remember, they went to the moon, all right, and then they depowered her, and they killed her, and the X-Men tried to fight for her yeah. life, and that's yeah. not in this story. The huh. Phoenix Force, you can literally, like, reconstruct matter. You can destroy a sun, wipe hmm. out a whole galaxy. You're going to tell me, like, Cyclops with his little eye beams is going to hurt that? No. I mean, me personally, I'm looking forward to, I mean, being that we have another X-Men movie, I'm just looking forward to seeing them trying to revitalize the franchise because I would love to see another good X-Men movie. I feel like the last good ones we had were back when um, were back when Hugh Jackman was still on the team. And like those movies were pretty good. But yeah, we're not going to drag on too much more. We've been, we kind of went off topic a little bit with some things and some of that stuff needed to be touched based on. So, um, so yeah, we're going to work on... Um, a new idea. We're going to work on trying to do seasons with our uh, podcast. We're going to try to do 14 episodes per season. Each season is going to have a certain type of format, a certain type of topics that we may try to follow. Like, let's say if season two or three, we say season two, we're going to try to include more segments about, you know, like relationships. Season four, we're going to try to include more segments about politics, etc. Or our music segment for season two is going to be this genre or just going to follow this type of format. We're just going to try to find ways to make it interesting. So that way, you know, all, all of the listeners can um, have a reason to look forward to like, Oh, what are they going to do next season? Basically. Yeah. So yeah. Um, season one is more, uh, we don't really have a format set for season one. Season one is just like the intro phase. It's just like the pilot. Basically, you know, we're just, you know, getting used to the show, getting used to the format and, you know, and let everybody get a feel of, you know, of things and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, but we're going to try to experiment with this format for season two. So, um, season one will still definitely be, be uh, 14 episodes and in between 
each season we're gonna maybe have like what we didn't really decide what like three week break or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. You know, just to kinda, you know, uh you know, kinda feed off some more ideas and take a little break, you know, things like that. Yeah, not only that, um, figure out, you know, when or if we're gonna have um some uh some guests. Oh yeah, for sure. And yeah, and, and that's the thing. We can have certain type of guests per season too, so that'll help out. You know, so yeah, definite. But yeah, so um, once again, I'm KJ. This is Los. Thanks for checking out our uh, um episode two of J House Radio. Don't forget to hit up our YouTube page and our Patreon page, which is, will be in our show notes. Um, you want to end off with anything, Los? You got anything you want to say? Um, just uh, stick with us. We'll get better as we go along, and. Uh... If you have any suggestions or anything, don't forget to contact us and uh, we'll uh, try to follow up on your suggestions. For sure, for sure. All right, guys. Thanks for checking us out and don't forget to live life. Hey, what's going on, guys? So for today's jam session, the music portion of the show, I'm going to showcase one of the tracks that I did a few years ago, an electronic dance music track. When I first started making music, I was only pretty much doing hip-hop and R&B, and I always listened to electronic dance music, and I've always wanted to kind of dive into that field a little bit. So this track here is the first track I ever did, and it actually got a pretty good response on SoundCloud. Um, so for anybody who hasn't have had a chance to check out this track, um, it's called This That Ish, and I did this track maybe about four years ago. And I'm still pretty proud of it. And to this day, I still do not only hip-hop, R&B, and different genres of music, but I also, to this day, still do electronic dance music. So check it out. Hope you guys enjoy.
This, that, shit, this, that, shit.